This is Unfinished Business, the show that talks about the business end of web, design and creative industries. This is episode 32, and today is Saturday the 17th of August 2013. This episode wouldn't be possible without our sponsor, Gather Content. Gather Content helps people who build websites with their clients to plan, organise and collaborate on web content. Go to gathercontent.com forward slash unfinished to sign up for a free 30-day trial and get 20% off your subscription. The show is hosted by me, Anna Debenham, and by my co-host, Andy Clark, but he's on holiday for a few weeks, so today I've replaced him with uh, probably the only person in the web industry who can legitimately call himself a rock star, (laughs) Marcus Lillington. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Anna. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, how are you? I'm very good, thanks. Uh, It's an honour to be asked. Oh, thank you. Well, a a few weeks ago I was listening to your podcast and you were saying that, that ours would never last. I didn't say that. It would have been Boag that said that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm far too nice to say things like that. I'm actually impressed by the fact that you, this is the 32nd episode. Yeah, yeah. And we're going for, what, half a year now? Yeah. Well, a bit more yeah. then, isn't it? <laughs> I'm surprised too. <laughs> That's great. Now, I have, to, I have to confess up front that I have not listened to your podcast. That's okay. But it's I it, haven't listened to yours either. <laughs> yeah, but it is okay because I don't listen to anyone's podcast. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't I don't listen to podcasts. Even though I've been doing them now for 8 years, I don't listen to anyone's. Whether even you know on, on kind of you know I quite like cricket, I don't listen to cricket podcasts, I don't listen to music podcasts, I don't listen to web design podcasts. It's just not for me. I'm, too, I'm just too much of an old crusty dinosaur, I think. <laughs> Mind you, you're used to talking to Andy, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can say what I like about him. He won't listen to this, will he? Yeah, we can. <laughs> so uh, your podcast was actually the first podcast I ever listened to. Um, I remember like, I think it was 2006, I got um, an iPod and I went on the iTunes store and I was looking at podcasts. I was like, wow, there's one on web design. I didn't think people actually did that as a mm. career. Um, and I started listening to it and that's how I got into the industry. That's true. I mean, I think, I think the first time I met you, you're probably going to correct me, was in a pub in London when we did a live show. Yeah. And I made a cake. You did make a cake (laughs) and it was a very nice cake. And I think you've also made t-shirts as well. Made, I stressed (laughs) the word made, um, I don't know if that was on the same event. That was probably on a different event. That was a, I think that was a 200. 200 show, yes. Yeah. Yes. It seems, yeah, that well, I don't know how many shows we've done now. I, I'm, I do need to, I know this shouldn't be about us, but hey, um, <laughs> we stopped counting at 230 and then started doing serieses and we're on, yeah. we've just finished the sixth series, which had 16 episodes in it. So we must be way past 300 now. Wow. And yeah. you need to do another meetup because that was really fun. It was. Well, I'm kind of, I don't know. Maybe if we're just short of 300, then maybe we should do a, a 300th episode or something like that. Cause I thought yeah. that, that was fantastic that day. We'll yeah. just have a meetup or something. Yeah. Do you, yeah. are you still at the barn? We are still at the barn, but not for very long. <gasps> um, no, I'm delighted to be going now. Cause it, it, though, I mean, obviously you've been there and you know how yeah. kind of in, in, in the wilderness it is. That <laughs> gets on your nerves a bit after a while. Um, yeah. we had no mobile phone signal at all ever on any yeah. network. Um, and we were paying ridiculous money for very poor broadband and bearing in mind what we do, that kind of just got a bit mm-hmm. tedious after a while. Um, so we're moving to the center of Winchester to a kind of, a, again, an oldie worldy building, but a kind of, you know, a, a city 
a city loft, really, I guess is what it is. Nice. Uh, and we'll be moving in there hopefully on October the 1st. So goodbye to the barn. It's great, but oh. we're now going to go all trendy. It was a lovely barn. It's, well, it still is, but it's, the guy that owns it, uh, what basically wants to turn it into a house. So it's like, well, fair enough. That's what it should be, really. It should, yeah. should be someone's house rather than an office. Cause it wasn't, it was a, hor- a really unpleasant, uh, commute. That's not true. It was just a really long commute. Yeah. And I got bored of it. Anyway, moan, moan, moan. Not as long as my commute. <laughs> yes, you said you're working in London at the moment. Yeah. Well, so, what's Brighton to London in, on the train then? It's about, well, from Brighton to like Euston. Um, it's about an hour and a half on a good day. About really? two hours on a bad day. Oh, wow. I didn't realise it was that far on a train journey. I live nearer to London than you do. <laughs> I kind of, it's, I'm normally quite good at sort of ge- geographically. Um, but I thought Brighton was about an hour out of London. It's about an hour from Brighton to Victoria. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, about the same then. But getting the underground takes a bit longer, especially when there's there's like a line that's shut down and you have to walk. When I used to work in London, I would walk everywhere. Apart, unless it, you know, if I was going to Hammersmith, then I would take public transport of some sort um, yeah. out there. But anywhere sort of in the central bit. So Victoria to Euston, I would walk. Uh, and it was just, I found that it was just as quick, unless it's pouring with rain, obviously. But um, Yeah, and I guess that means you get to know London quite a bit better. Yeah. I only, is... Mind you, I only managed it for about a year. I said, I'm not doing <laughs> this anymore. <laughs> I, I've been working there about a year now, and I don't know where anything is. Really? It's, yeah, it's like, you know, you, you'll go from one place to another on foot and it'll just be like, wow, I had no idea these places were like next to each other. Well, And another thing... um if you if you take the underground and you think oh well I'll go there and I'll change to that line to get to this other place that I'm going to you'll often yeah. find that you've walked you've walked half a mile underground to get to the yeah. other line so you may as well have gone, done it on overground is my especially view especially if you walk up the escalators yes exactly <laughs> yes I try to do that it's about the only exercise I ever get these days well that's not yeah. true though I have just come back from playing golf like a proper old man should ah oh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do well? I did actually. Yes, I I won some uh, a small amount of money. So, oh, brilliant! That's quite good. (laughs) Did you play golf often? No, once a week, if I'm lucky. At the moment, we're so busy at Headscape. I I used to, I used to kind of try and sneak off on a Wednesday (laughs) afternoon or something like that. But we just got too much on at the moment. I can't, I can't warrant doing that. We, it's. We were going to do this yesterday afternoon. I said to Anna, I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it at four (laughs) thirty on Friday. I just thought, I don't know who I'm kidding. I can't do that. (laughs) <laughs> They'll throw things at me, so uh, we had to do it on a Saturday, which is fine. It's yeah. as I say, it's an honour. And I'm, I, I don't know. Do you guys normally ramble on like this, like Paul and yeah, I do? Yeah, I mean, with Andy, often we can ramble for about twenty minutes, half an hour. Fine. Um, yes. Okay. Well, that's so, fine. Yeah, I just wondered whether I should be shutting up at any point. Well, obviously, <laughs> it doesn't matter. What else can I talk about? Um, uh, you used <laughs> to be a pop star. Do people know that it's boring, isn't it? No. <laughs> um yes many 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 years ago i suppose i was mainly in america yeah a band called breathe that's right yeah. i really like the cover version of um hands to heaven which you one know, the, the the one about css oh right yes hands to boag i think that yeah. one was called <laughs> i'm gonna put that in the show notes i might even put a clip of it in the outro just to embarrass you uh. but it's a brilliant cover <laughs> <laughs> but we had more than one hit. We had we only had one hit in the UK, and it was a proper hit. It was number four in the charts back in 1988. I wonder how many people listening to this show were even alive then. 
I wasn't. I know you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> but, Do you yeah. still get fan mail? Uh, weirdly, yes. <laughs> Uh, yes, I do. And I, it, I, I kind of have, have a rule that I, I, I don't respond to it, which I always feel a bit kind of mean and blah, blah, blah about it. But I always mm. think that if you just, if you have a rule, then you have a rule and you should stick to it. Um, because I had a guy write to me recently, um, uh, really, really nice handwritten letter. And it's Aww. like, shall I get back to him? And I thought, well, no, I won't. I won't. It's, it's, <laughs> it's ancient history for me. You know, bear that in yeah. mind. I stopped doing, I was, I left you know, the professional music industry in 1991. So that's 22 years ago. Um, I still play. I love playing and I still play in, in a couple of bands, but I don't do it for a living. Uh, and breathe, you know, long, long died. So it, it's, it's, I don't regret it. It's a great thing to have done, but it's kind of, it's such a long it's way in the past. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's not what I'm about. So, yeah. um, yeah. Oh. Um- <laughs> So I wanted to talk to you today about kind of project scheduling, because I know that Headscape's really busy at the moment. Mm. Um, but before we get into that, I'm quite interested to know what your process is kind of from the moment you get a potential client, get in touch, um, right to kind of wrapping up a project. Mm. Okay. Can we talk about bands and music? <laughs> <laughs> Can do. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't. Um, yes, it's tough, actually. Um uh, I've talked about this in in different ways on the Berg World show because obviously we repeat ourselves endlessly doing three hundred shows. <laughs> well, um, you can assume that no one listens to that. <laughs> yeah, sure they do. But <laughs> once we have, we have five listeners, we we think about five, maybe six, six. including me. <laughs> yeah, exactly, you're one of them. Um, what th- there's a problem? Well, the first thing I'd like I'd mention on this front is that I tend to do quite a lot of kind of sales type work for Headscape. Mm. It's not the only thing I do, but I do a lot of it, it. A lot of the inquiries that come in end up on my desk, if you like. You're the you're the schmoozer. Yeah, well, I'm not the only schmoozer because obviously you know <laughs> Paul is probably one of the world's best schmoozers that's ever lived, <laughs> um, and Chris. Chris, uh, basically the director, the owners of the company, the founders, if you like. Um, yeah. We we always said from day one that it should be our responsibility to bring in business because we kind of care most. Yeah. So if you like. Um. Uh, so, but if you're the kind of person that is looking to bring work in, you tend to be a little bit more optimistic about when that work can start than a project manager. Yeah. So I'll. Uh, many, many times you'll, I'll be having a conversation. At the moment, I'm saying to people, look, we're really, really busy. We can start your project in October, mm. say. Um, but we probably can't start it in October. <laughs> um, well, we, it depends what it is and, and you know, it depends who, be, who becomes available. But um, I, I suppose what I'm saying is be realistic. Um, don't make promises you can't keep because the prop, you might be thinking, well, we probably could with a good wind behind us or something like that, but that actually never happens. And, yeah. and the, the prospective client or the existing client is thinking, right, they've written down October the 10th or whatever in, uh, you know, in black ink and they think that's when you can start, but actually you were yeah. just kind of pulling a figure out of the air or a, a date out of the air. So yeah, be realistic. Um, all, I wouldn't say, kind of plan for the worst because that way you'll end up maybe missing out on opportunities because you're being too safe you're you know you're, yeah. you're being too risk averse um but yeah be be sensible allow for things and also allow uh contingency in projects i mean that, that's a really good example at the, at the moment uh we're working 
were trying to finish a project that that even the client had said you must deliver by I think it was the twelfth of August, which is what last Monday. Mm. Um, and we're like, yeah, great. We need to. We want to deliver. Uh, we want to de- deliver by that date. Um, uh, basically, because it means that then the guy who's been working on that project, or the guys who've been working on that project, can then move immediately onto the next one, which should yeah. have started this week, but we're still wrapping up this last one. So allow con- contingency and be sensible about how how long you think things are going to take. Have you ever had a project that hasn't overrun? Or that has kind of yeah definitely has yeah. has wrapped up early yes wow um they're rare yeah very rare um I think some projects particularly ones that involve kind of visual design you know sort of creative stuff and there's a very kind of strong emphasis on that then sometimes you can get it right really quickly um yeah. and in on those occasions you have to kind of just you know thank your lucky stars because sometimes it takes a lot longer than you think it's going to and uh you know d- deliver early and everyone's happy we're happy yeah. we've, we've probably made money on the project and the clients got what they wanted before they thought they were going to get it so yeah but that's pretty rare normally things take longer um but at the moment i i suppose what i'm trying to uh, another point to make is that if you really pull your finger out you'll tend to find or one will tend to find that you get things done. Um, we're finding that at the moment that we're kind of rallying a lot, and we're you know we're being more organised than maybe we we would naturally be, uh, yeah. and it's we really are getting things done, and we're ensuring that kind of we're not you know we're not cutting corners, um, but mm. we're we're setting processes in place a lot more. We kind of get I don't want to say this because it kind of suggests that it's. Um, it, it maybe gives the wrong impression, but we're kind of being quite sort of factory line about it, right? We need to get this process done, and then that hands on to the next person who will get it done. Yeah. You know, and that's you know that's how how things tend to work. If you're doing, uh, I don't know, some UX work and then some visual design, it all kind of tends to work in a uh, in in a process where somebody has to do something to make sure that the next thing can happen. Yeah, I was going to ask what sorts of things you do to make sure you stay kind of on schedule. Do you do you work in a kind of agile way? Um, we are doing that more and more. Um, I find everyone has their own kind of flavour of agile. Yeah. Is there is there yeah. anything that you do specifically that you found really useful? That's a good question. Um, we're trying to be more and more in a kind of – we're trying to do projects in a more – traditional uh, traditional agile but a, a kind of conventional how you're supposed to do agile rather than kind of just having right we're going to throw some bodies at this for a, a bit we're trying yeah. to do it sort of for very um lockdown you can't you know whoever ed ed for example will be working on something for two weeks solidly one project he can't work on anything else because we're a little bit guilty of oh somebody's come you know an existing clients come in with this really urgent thing uh it's only going to take an hour can you just kind of quickly do that um and at the moment we're guilty of doing that but i think there's a couple of potential projects um that will be hopefully uh, starting around october november that will be much more I can't think of the right word, but yeah, sort of proper agile. We're going to really try and kind of nail it down, do it by the book. Um, right. But as far as specific how we do things, how how things work for us, 
That's a good question. I should have thought about this before I uh, hit record, <laughs> shouldn't I? Um, and do you, do you use any tools like Trello or something? Uh, do you have like a big kind of wall that you put post-its on? Yeah, I'm a big, I personally am a big fan of walls with post-its and, and yeah. uh, you know, and flip charts and all that kind of thing. Um, I think the act of writing something down or drawing a diagram helps you understand it a lot better than not writing it down. Um, yeah. you know, actually with a pen on paper. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. But yeah, we do use, we use Trello, but I think Trello's a bit noddy, frankly. Um, mm. I think it's good if you want to redecorate your bedroom or something like that. <laughs> uh, uh, but I, 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 it gets too much and I end up yeah. just looking at this kind of mass of stuff. Uh, I think Trello's good for if you've got a remote team. Um, you know, if you don't, if you can't physically all see that wall at once. Yeah, that's true. That that is true. I mean, it's just I personally am not a great fan of it. We use Trello. We use uh, we use Basecamp a lot. But I've got I like I love the messaging side of Basecamp, mm. but I'm not particularly keen on the t- on the to dos. Although I'm using them a lot at the moment. <laughs> um, but we have used Jira as well in the past, which is a kind of much more heavyweight um, project management, um, almost like ticketing type. Um, right. issue re- related pm software um which it's not really my bag I, i'm not a project manager i am right now i'm a project manager because um um people are on holiday um but it's yeah I, I guess you need to use the right uh the right tool for the job and i tend to find that if i'm looking after a project which is quite rare to be honest i i like Basecamp the most um yeah. i think it does it does the important things well enough yeah, I I'm guess. a big fan of Basecamp. Except it does, you do get tend to get a lot more emails than, but it's yeah. good that they're all in one place. Exactly. And you don't have to keep searching for them. Exactly. I mean, I've got a personal. One thing that really annoys me is if somebody sends you, uh, if if you get allocated a task, mm. and you then want to comment on that task and then give it to someone else, that's a two step process, and it shouldn't be. You should be able to comment and reallocate in one right. hit and you and as you say that sends out two emails <laughs> but anyway um that's my that's my only kind of real bugbear with it um but yeah so other things that we do oh i'll take one thing we do use is tom's planner you heard of that no it's basically um a kind of massive gantt chart but in an online version uh where you can effectively set up as many people and projects as you want um and you know using color coding coded blocks and milestones and holiday things and all that kind of thing basically have a huge kind of overview of the whole team and what everybody's right. supposed to be doing for the next uh 3 to 4 months that's really good because you can kind of just fire it up and think right uh, maybe on a Monday morning. It's really good for me at the moment. As I say, um, everyone's on holiday and we've got so much work <laughs> on. So, but I can kind of look through and go, right. Ed's doing, Ed's supposed to be doing this for today and tomorrow. Uh, and Lee's on that. Oh, and he's supposed to be kind of doing something else at the same time. So he's trying to kind of fit that in and it's all, all there graphically in front of you in a kind of massive Gantt chart, which is kind of not, I don't particularly like Gantt charts, but this one seems to be quite good because you can color code projects and that kind of stuff. Yeah. You can see when people are uh, working on the same thing. Uh, it's yeah, that, that, that's a recommendation. I brought something to the party. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Yeah. I'll put it, I'll put a link in the show notes. Okay, yeah. um, I know Paul Berg was quite a fan of um, OmniGraffle. Did he still use that? Um, not OmniGraffle. Um, Omni OmniFocus. Planner. 
yeah, he one used. of the things. He, he uses OmniFocus sort of personally because you know, you know, he's majorly into getting things done. Yeah. The, the you know, the kind of mantra it's quite, of getting things done. It's quite heavyweight though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, he's trying to persuade me to do it because I'm always moaning that I'm, you know, I'm spinning plates. I mean, I've been doing it for the, <laughs> for the, for the, all the time we've been talking now. I've been kind of complaining about, I've, oh, you know, I never feel I can catch up. I need to, you know, I, I'm particularly for the kind of, if, if I want to write a blog post or if, say, if I want, you know, something non work related, if I want to work on some music, I always yeah. want to clear the decks before I kind of sit down and want to do something creative. I've always been like that. And if you're in a kind of, if you've got a project management related kind of role going on, it never stops. It never, ever goes away. Because if it does, yeah. then you haven't got any work and you're all out of, you know, <laughs> you haven't got a business anymore. So Paul, um, says to me that the, this, this kind of, uh, way of living your life, um, uh, which is labeled as getting, getting things done. I can't remember the name of the guy that kind of came up with it. But anyway, um, you basically have to list the first process that you do to get started on this is list everything that you do. And it's not just at work, it's everything. So yeah. it is quite heavyweight. Um, and I'm sort of thinking, I can't be bothered. He said it took him two days to kind of do this initial yeah. list. And then, then I'd be like, well, I've forgotten what I thought of 10 hours ago. I know you're <laughs> writing everything down. I mean, that's part of the process, but, uh, it, yeah, I, I, I can see the value of it. And I think it would be really valuable for me. The idea is that you never have that kind of nagging feeling that you've forgotten to do something or, or should I yeah. be doing that? Cause it's all there. It's all. You basically write down yeah. everything that needs to be done. Absolutely. It's not a case of doing it, but having it in sort of one place. Yeah. And you know that something will remind you that you need to be doing X or Y or, or at the start of every day. This is, these are the tasks I need to complete. So you never kind of think of it more than once. You never think, Oh, I need to get some milk. Yeah, and it's three times a day. <laughs> exactly. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure Paul does put things like get the milk or tidy the kitchen or whatever. Um, Take bins out. <laughs> yes, exactly. But the, I, this is this, and this is the kind of golden part of it is, and I can see this. If you have everything in there, then what I, what I was describing earlier about clearing the decks. You never have to do that. You never have that feeling of like, right, I've finished for now and I can start something else. Cause you, I don't know. I think you just see how much you need to do. And like, cause <laughs> I'm doing that at the moment. Um, I've done like a, a week long kind of clear out and sorting thing through things and writing everything down that I need to do. And it's just this massive list. And I mean, I've put it all in today as well, which I shouldn't have done, but. Just looking at all the things I need to do today that I know I'm not going to get done. I'm probably going to do them tomorrow or next week. Um, yeah, yeah, that. That's but it, it does feel it's more you can relax a bit better knowing that it's all in there. Yeah, that's the thing. You've got you, you don't have. I think it was Tony Blair that employed someone basically to do all his kind of task related stuff for him, his management, right. so he could be creative. And I, I, there is, I think, there is something in that. But, thought of a politician being creative quite worrying <laughs> <laughs> well yeah but that, I, I i think it's a good thing um whether i'll ever get around to kind of um you know doing the initial kind of graft of working out all the things that that you do what what they yeah. are and then I think it's quite to, difficult to maintain as well yeah and you've got to keep it up um paul did say that you know occasionally he'll go a month without kind of you know letting it just slide a bit and because he's done this for a long time he can kind of with a little bit of effort get back on on track again yeah so but yeah i mean i'm just lazy really i'm like yeah what's next 
I'll get on. Yeah, right. I'll do that. And I always, and this comes back to my very first point about not, um, you know, not making promises you can't keep. Cause I'm, I'm always like, yeah, of course I can do that. No problem. Yeah, I'll do that for uh, you. And I'll do that. And I'll do that. And, this, and then suddenly it's, ah, how am I going to get all this stuff done? Uh, so yes, this is why Paul talks to me about, uh, get, getting things done. I think yeah. it's, I think it's worth a look, especially if you're the kind of person who worries a lot. Cause I kind of get away with it. Cause I kind of go, Ah, oh, panic, panic. And then I go, well, it'd be all right. Whatever. Um, <laughs> and if, but if you're not like that, if you're a panic, panic, and then it gets worse and I'm a worry, worry kind of person, then I think it's something worth doing to organize your life. And it is an organize your life thing rather than organize your projects, which is how we've kind of gone off on a tangent, which is normal for me. But it makes sense. I mean, mm. to, if you can't sort of keep on top of your personal stuff, then it's really hard to focus on, on the projects. Yes, that's true. I've got quite a big question now. Um, how do you kind of estimate how long things are going to take? Ooh, yeah, that's a toughie. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Because I've been doing estimating projects for a very long time, uh, there are certain things that I've got a good handle on how long I think they'll take. Um, we've been making how long things take or, you know, but, Sorry, I'm thinking out loud um, and not, not doing it very well. What a process of, I don't know, as I've mentioned, visual design, you know, if you're creating a new visual design process, mood boards and mock-ups and all that kind of thing, um, we probably say it takes longer now than we did five years ago and, we're, and we would have said it took longer five years ago than the previous five years. So hmm. again, it keeps coming. I keep coming back to this point about don't underestimate because normally it takes longer than you think it will, whatever it is. Um, but stuff like UX type work, wireframing, um, consulting, you know, doing reviews, that kind of thing. I feel I've got a very good handle on how long those things will take. Um, yeah. I'm really good at that. When it comes to the more kind of coding related things front-end development back-end development then i will kind of sit down with the people that do that at headscape um and try to kind of convey what i think is required of them or what the final product is if you like uh, yeah. and we'll work through you know, how many variations of templates maybe it might involve or uh, or what we're Quite often what we'll do um if it's a kind of complicated back-end thing is i'll try and persuade a client to say look we need to spec this and we don't want to do the spec for free. So let's, because it's going to take us two weeks to do the spec, say, mm. uh, which will involve kind of back-end wireframing, that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 you need to do a job, I guess, to do to be able to do, to, to be able to estimate. So, yes, I will speak to the people within our team about what I think the, pro, the project is going to entail um for the kind of stuff that I don't do the stuff that I do do like reviews and stakeholder interviews I'm, I know how long that's going to take but you again with this the what I was saying about don't, don't underestimate if you're going to be doing a day's worth of stakeholder interviews at uh, a location in Scotland say then you need mm. to make sure that you're charging the client for the time it's going to take you to get there because you can't be working on anything else right yeah for example um, all of that said, most clients have a budget in mind. Um, and as a salesperson, putting my sales hat back on, um, 
you tend to have to make decisions about whether you think you can do what they want within their budget. Right, yeah. Uh, and that's when you get into trouble. Uh, but sometimes you just do it anyway, especially if, if work is thin on the ground, um, you might decide that you want to do a particular job um, as a kind of lost leader because it's better to be doing something. And particularly if, if maybe if it's um, uh, you know, a high-profile client uh, that you think might lead on to other clients, uh, client work, then you might want to do, you know, estimation kind of goes out the window, I suppose is what I'm saying, is you know, right. you know that it's going to take you longer than, than they, than their budget, but you take it on it anyway. Um, do you do many of those? No, very few. I'm okay. thinking of one that we did last year. Um, then we had a bit of a kind of lean period for about three months and something came in. And it was a really nice project to work on. Famous, you know, quite a famous organization. It's like, and they did, but they're a famous but poor organization. Um, so yeah, we took it on and we have actually won two, two of their kind of partner organizations since. So yeah, so it, it, so it was worth it. It was well worth it. Yeah. And it's better. I think also think it, to a certain extent, it's, it's better to be doing something than nothing. Uh, yeah. although many people say that you should, um, you know, embrace your downtime and do kind of, you know, funky projects. But that's difficult to do, especially if you're a salesperson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, I, I guess I was talking for kind of headscape in general. But yeah, um, I've forgotten what the question was. Uh, how do you uh, estimate, estimate how long things yeah. going to take? Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's... You, you it's, don't it's, just kind of stick a finger in the air? No. No, certainly not. I mean, what do you? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it it does rely on having a good brief um, from the client. You know, if they give you something very vague, it's often very difficult to give a good estimate because you don't really know what they want. Yeah, well, I think that, that what, what you've got to do in that case is um, sit down with them and talk it through um, so you can come up with some kind of a better idea of what they want. Obviously, yeah. sometimes this is why we don't we won't get involved in in tender processes anymore where we can't talk to anybody because that's exactly yeah. what happens you you're kind of second guessing what do they mean by this do they mean that or and then you are and then you end up emailing a question that ends up being kind of dealt with by somebody who probably doesn't know the answer and it's mm. yeah, just a nightmare so yeah you've got to kind of try and nail down some sort of scope otherwise you can't uh, reliably estimate no um and as I said before, often, many, many times over the last however long we've been going, um, we've done kind of project zeros where we're just effectively working out what the project is going to be. Um, right. And it's not, we're not only just kind of, we're not just sat down with the clients discussing what the scope's going to be. That'll be, we'll, we'll take the opportunity to talk to, you know, do stakeholder interviews, as I just mentioned, of kind of senior management. Um, because quite often marketing departments, for example, will hire, will, will be looking to hire somebody to do a particular job that when you talk to other people within an, in an organization, the scope will change. So it, yeah. it's not just a kind of, you know, work out what a scoping, uh, you know, to kind of write a scoping doc document. It's also uh, uh, an opportunity to find out more, uh, right. but do that as a kind of project before you get onto the actual kind of, you know, meat and bones of it, if you like. That, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Good. Um, so I just want to take a moment to thank this week's sponsor, um, which is Gather Content. Um, have you heard of them? No, I haven't, because you mentioned them at the start there, and I thought, I don't know what that is. Yeah, so they um, 
uh, they basically, it's a site that you can set your client up with and they can fill in their content in the format that you want. And <clears throat> you can keep track of changes with its revision history and collaborate with other people. And then when the client is ready, they can kind of, they can go through and approve the specific content. Um, and it shows this really nice progress bar of how much your content needs reviewing and how much is completed. Um, so like a few years ago, I worked on a school website um, and I worked with sort of each of the heads of department mm. um, and they were in charge of writing con content about their subject. And kind of after months and months of hassling, um, the teachers sent me a mixture of PowerPoint slides and Word documents mm. and handwritten notes, photographs, like, you know, proper photographs and um, even threads of emails. And it took me days to get that all into the site. Yeah. And I really wish Gather Content had been about because it would have made my life so much easier. And do, do you, is this a problem that you have? Because I know you work with a lot of university sites. Uh, yeah, we do, but we tend not to get involved with their content to any kind of depth. Um, yeah. we tend to work on, uh, yeah, more, more kind of UX and design from a high level. Um, and then the internal web teams, all, all universities have web teams will kind of take what we give them and spread it out through the organization. So kind of detailed, you know, lots and lots of content is something we don't get involved with, with universities, but we do with other, with other clients. Yeah. Um, Anyone who's ever done a web design project will say, say to you, uh, will, will kind of, you know, we're nodding the head sagely now saying, yes, it's yeah. always <laughs> the content that takes too long and the client doesn't understand the effort that it's going to take and all that kind of thing. Um, I think, I think they're better than they used to be. Um, but then I think that's just a case of more people have been involved in building websites, uh, from, you know, from a build point of view and also from a managing it from a client side point of view. So, yeah. That kind of complete, you know, we, we need your help, you know, please help hold our hand through this project because we've never done it before is, is rare these days. Uh, whereas 10 years ago, it was pretty much everyone. We don't know what we're doing. Help us out. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, content, content. I'm interested on how gather content works then. So what, how can people input in, into it? So it's kind of like, um, it's like having a CMS, but without like, it's not a CMS, but you can export all of the content into a CMS. Right. Okay. Um, so you can expo export it straight into WordPress or Drupal. Um, but if you don't use either of those, they've got an API. Um, and so it's text, so text and images. Yeah, yeah. Text images, that sort of thing. Um, and you'd kind of choose what format they put it in. Um, so, you know, where, text areas are and things and you choose the pages and um one of the things i really like about it is that you can set deadlines um, <laughs> yeah great a lot of projects i've worked on like the content is what's made the project overrun mm, always um, pretty much yeah yeah because it you know it's it, i think people underestimate how long it takes um so being able to set deadlines and reminders will help keep that project on track um so yeah, I really like that about it. Um, and it also, you know, it's, I think it's better than waiting right until the end of the project when you've got the CMS set up. Um, you know, and then you can say to them, okay, here, add all your content. Cause that's right at the end of the project. So 
Yeah, it's nice to gather content. You can set that up like as soon as you start the project, as soon as you've decided like the IA Mm. Um, and they can be adding content. And then when it's all done, you can just kind of import it into your CMS. So do you set up a kind of skeleton on it and then say this, you know, and allocate certain pages or whatever to. Yeah. So you can use permissions and things. So like with the school project I worked on, I could have kind of set each teacher up with, um, with their own page and only they can edit that, um, and have someone kind of approve it all before it goes live. Cause a lot of the content that they wrote was really awful, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like grammatical errors, spelling mistakes. Teachers, eh? Yeah. (laughs) Teachers. (laughs) Oh, by the way, by the way, my, my son got his grades to go to Surrey. I Surrey was going to ask. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Which, which uni is he going to? Surrey. Yay! Yeah, see, so you, where you worked for all that yeah. time. Yeah. So I was, I was working at um, University of Surrey and you came along on an open day. I did, yes. And we had tea. Mm, it, it was, was very nice. <laughs> yeah, so he's, he's doing a proper degree. He's doing physics. Oh, I'm really glad. Yeah, so Surrey's a really nice uni. It is. Very good. We're, we're very impressed because he was going to go to Southampton, and he's been he's got an offer from Southampton as well. But yeah. Surrey's just it's the their approach is excellent. So yeah, yeah, yeah they've got like ninety is it ninety five or ninety eight percent of people go on to like they get a job at the end of it. Yeah, well, that's the thing. That's why it's they. I mean, they've done this for years. The kind of sandwich course type approach where you do if you're if you're doing a three-year course you'll do two years and then you'll do a year in industry and then you come back and do your final year which many many universities were doing that through the 70s and 80s and they've kind of carried on it was a bit old-fashioned but mm. but now when people are spending twenty seven thousand pounds on their um <laughs> on their education um this guaranteed place in industry or research if you're going to go and do a research degree um is massively important and really, yeah, really I valuable. Because at Southampton, um, the top, I think they have 120 physics entrants um, a year, and I think the top 10 get to go to kind of research institutes. But wow. everyone does at Surrey. Absolutely. Yeah, that everyone. just makes complete sense. Yeah. I mean, you're spending so much money on university, it, it makes sense to be able to get a job at the end of it. <laughs> exactly. It'll be guaranteed a place. So, yeah. So, yeah, we're all chuffed, as is he, oh. which is great. But oh, we were well talking. We were talking about gather content. I, I quite like. Oh, yeah. I quite like the idea of that. When um, a while ago, uh, a guy that worked for us called Dave McDermid, he set up a thing using Dropbox, and it was called Drop oh, Drop yeah. Pages, which I yeah. think would probably do the same thing as yeah. this, because you could basically just create. It, it, it would it would allow you to kind of create a hierarchy or a skeleton site, uh, and in a kind of, you know, not very pretty way, but a very simple and quick way, allow you to kind of um, populate different pages. But obviously that yeah. doesn't have the ability to a- export. To, because it to doesn't CMS. have like deadlines and yeah. progress bars and exactly. permissions and stuff. But you so. still have to, you know, people still have to use it. Yeah. Because yeah. that's, that's, <laughs> that's often the problem is, uh, well, I'm, I'm thinking of a particular client as, I, as I'm speaking that, that talks, you know, talks a good game. Uh, but it's always comes up with excuses when it's time to deliver something and it's like, but uh, yeah, sorry. If you want to try it out, um, they've got a 30 day free trial. Um, and, and if you go to, we've got a special URL, which is gatheredcontent.com forward slash unfinished. Um, and that'll get you 20% off your subscription, which is what? Subscribing, uh, $49, I think a month. 
A month, yeah. Okay. Let me just check. <laughs> <laughs> but if it's a good tool, you know, some, something that works. I, I like it the sound It saves of it. you money in the long term. If you're going to be spending like a day formatting all of the content mm. and stuff. Because we've done then... many, many times with other clients, we've given them kind of Word, Microsoft Word templates and said, this, this is your, this page. Fill these, yeah. you know, this is the title and this is the body content and these, use these images and, you know, that, that's yeah. kind of then. But th- this is exactly that. I mean, it's, you know, it's all the fields. You set up the fields. Mm. So you, you say sort of what format you want the content to be in. Um, that's pretty good. I like the sound so of yeah, that. So yeah, $49 starts at $49 a month. Mm. Um, I think that gets you like five projects or yeah, one active project for. The freelancer package. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I mean, the majority of the CMS projects we do now are all on WordPress and Drupal, as well as you just mentioned that it it, it kind of plugs directly into those. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you should try it at the free trial. Yeah. Um, it sounds good. We will. So. That sounds Yay. great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just we just before that, um, we were talking about um, some of the clients that you work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that Headscape has a kind of reputation of being a company that's really good at working with quite challenging clients. I mean, um, you work with a lot of universities and places that have a lot of internal politics. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was wondering what your secret is. <laughs> well, I can't tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> then everyone else would know. Uh, <laughs> um, I think it's a case of, uh, <laughs> I think we've kind of being bothered. Does that make sense? It's kind of like we've, we've taken on difficult, um, difficult clients. Sounds awful, doesn't it? They're, they're all really evil and nasty. Um, not difficult in I the know, sense I'm, that they're unpleasant, but difficult in the sense that they can have a lot of hierarchy and, you know, decisions take a long time to get made. Uh, um, yes. Um, I think we, we've kind of, it's almost like by circumstance, we've kind of, we won, um, uh, a university, first university we worked with back in 2003. And as with most, um, kind of different types of industry, if you do a decent job, then people in that industry go, Oh, I quite like what they've done for them. Um, mm. I'm going to see if they could work for us. So yeah, well, I think we're on 33 HE projects later. Um, we, you know, but we, we, we won the initial project just going for it as a kind of design project as things were back in 2003. We weren't right. thinking this is going to be politically difficult. Uh, but the more universities, and it's not only universities, not by any stretch of the imagination, but the more universities we, we work with, we found ourselves in situations where we had to kind of early on get a consensus uh, and get uh, a kind of set of rules that we could work by and, and that everybody was agreeing to. I mean, we've talked about this many times on, on the Boeing World show, um, about how you can do that. But again, mentioning stakeholder interviews, if you can get people, important people, powerful people, um, I'm thinking, you know, department heads at universities and, you know, even higher than that in a room one to one, asking them all the same questions, um, about you know, what they think is the right thing for their audience, what they think is the right way they should be portraying themselves. They'll all say the same thing. They'll all say the right right things. They'll all say, you know, they, they won't, nobody will turn around and say, I think we should look like a nasty mismatch of lots of different websites. (laughs) You know, they, they all want 
to be, you know, branded uh, consistently and have a consistent uh, tone of voice and all these kind of things. Everyone says this is what we want. So if you've got that in writing effectively yeah. at the start and everyone has been, you know, everyone's had their piece, they've been, um, you know, they, 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 everyone has been consulted, if you like, all of these important people, then that's, that's a, a really big step towards being able to have, um, to, to know what, what, what you should be doing when you get down to the more kind of detailed stuff about design and UX and priority. I guess that's what it is. Everything comes down to priority. Um, yeah. you know, it's different types of content. If you get people to list what they think should be on a homepage, that's always quite a laugh when you get to, get, get to, uh, yeah, item 43. Um, <laughs> for example, but get, we're always trying to get people to prioritize, you know, who are your audiences? Um, and they'll go blah, 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 right. So who's more important than what? Then, and they'll say, oh, well, they're all as equal as, you know, they're all equally important. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you end up kind of, you know, drilling down into kind of really trying to make people make choices. And there are, you know, there are many exercises that you can kind of get people to do that. Some daft ones and some less daft ones. Um, <laughs> you know, cereal box design and all that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. In, do you do that? Yeah. 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 That's, I mean, that's in oh, Kenneth's wow. book, isn't it? Um, yeah. Has that gone down well? Yeah, really well. And I love doing things like the, the, the six up design. Um, you know, six home pages. Yeah. Um, get, get, especially if you've got a big group that you're working with and in a university that, um, you, you are likely to be work, working with a big group. Um, you can kind of put, get people to go into pairs. Uh, and they, they'll do, do it. And you say, right, you've got to design six home pages. And they all start going, you know, standard design. And then they do the second one. It's like, oh, we could do it slightly differently, you know, put, you know, have a, a column on the right instead of the left. And then they get to the third one. They go, um, what should we do now? And then the, then the good ideas start to come out. Mm. Um, I'm again going off a complete tangent. Um, that's got nothing to do with dealing with politics, but, um, no, it's, it's a good way of kind of breaking the ice and, and kind of, yeah, getting people really thinking about what's important. But I think that the, because I'm a bit of a rambler, I think the, the, <laughs> The, the the really important thing is to get people is to ask the right questions you know to ask the questions that people this sounds a bit manipulative but ask questions that people will all go well duh it's that you know right. uh, rather than kind of just say what do you think you know what do you think we right. should be doing yeah. with how you know how how subsites are dealt with for example because then people just give you a load of opinion and it'll be different but if you say to yeah them, it's like I think it was was it Paul who said, don't, don't ask people what they think when you present them with like homepage design, because then, you know, it doesn't focus the question. If you ask them, you know, do you think that, that this is appropriate on here? You, you're kind of directing the questions. Yeah. The same thing applies when you're asking people about kind of higher level, uh, kind of branding related on, you yeah, know, messages. Stops them getting fixated on color and. Yeah. 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 Uh, but it, it, it applies throughout. Um, if you, if you ask, if, if you ask people, uh, ask someone a question that is basically, you know, do you like, do, do you think we should be going down the, this sensible option or not? They'll all say, yeah, the sensible option, of course. <laughs> um, so that's, that's a, a good way of, of doing things and, and ensuring, uh, you know, ensuring that, that, that everybody knows what the priorities are and they've agreed on it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm rambling a bit. Um, but how do you like, um, how do you keep everything on schedule? If you, if there is a lot of politics and it takes a long time to agree to things, how do you kind of, um, 
keep those deadlines in place? Well, I mean, to a certain extent, you've got to accept that sometimes they won't stay in place. Um, yeah. And we've never been, uh, we, we've never been kind of, you know, we don't kind of have penalties if, if, yeah. if people, if people don't re- reach deadlines. But I mean, very occasionally we've said, you know, because you haven't reached this deadline, we've now got to go on to another project for a different client. And we can Yeah, come, I was going to ask that. You know, like, how do you, how do you cope when, when a project does go over deadline? Like, through no fault of your own, um, how do you kind of handle that? Um, I mean, for the most part, we will, we'll just deal with it. Um, and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll try and get it back on track as, as quickly as we can. Uh, and we'll accept that it might make life a bit difficult. Um, while we're trying to deal with two things when we thought we were going to be dealing with one. Um, but yeah, on occasion we've said, we've had to say, okay, well, we haven't reached this particular deadline and it's looking like it's not going to be happening for the next, I don't know, two, three weeks. That means we've got to kind of go, you know, halt here, go off and do this other project for a bit. Uh, and then, mm. uh, and then I don't know, six weeks down the line, we can pick, you know, we can pick things up again. Uh, yeah. but that's pretty rare. I think be, being a kind of small agency, um, as we are, I think there's almost an expectation that you need to be kind of flexible and fit in with people. Also, yeah. I mean, you know, to, to be completely blunt, you know, we're, uh, you know, we're not cheap. Um, so I think people expect, uh, expect a kind of level of flexibility because of that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you've got to balance that with, you know, there's, there's also professionalism here because if you kind of, if you just let everything slip and whatever, then you're going to end up delivering, uh, you know, you're going to end up delivering late and you're going to end up delivering stuff that isn't maybe as uh, high quality as you want it to be. Yeah. And it shouldn't affect your other projects as well. No, it shouldn't, but it does. Yeah. Um, it would be nice if we could just kind of work on one thing at a time, but, um, we can't. And also we've got, you know, because we've been around for such a long time, we've got a lot of existing clients. Um, yeah. I was going to say, you kind of, you mentioned briefly about maintenance, like existing clients coming back to you asking if you can fit something in. Mm. How do you kind of, schedule around that wednesday is fixed day ah which is quite nice. a good uh, it, that works nicely um and it tends to nearly always be there's an issue with the cms or the donation system isn't working or whatever it tends to be kind of you know back-end techie stuff so um right. poor chris chris henderson um he, he normally just gets um, you know, he'll, he'll have sort of eight to a dozen tasks dumped on him every Wednesday, uh, <laughs> of like, well, we need to work through this. Um, and just get, it's kind of hour long stuff. There's all, you yeah. know, it's all, it's all on maintenance agreements. It's all kind of paid for and done on time and materials. Um, so it's fine, but it's the only way we can do it. Otherwise you end up just reacting immediately or, or, yeah. or going, oh, we must deal with that. And then it just kind of, you know, floats away and gets forgotten about. So this, this kind of having a, having a fixed day works quite nicely i mean for a while we, we were doing it we were having two fixed days but then it was getting in the way of project work so right. um it's a really nice idea yeah. i know like andy has fridays that he does kind of um you know existing client work or kind of wrapping stuff up uh, but it's nice to have like a wednesday mm. where everyone on the team can work on that exactly yeah so that works quite nicely for us and how does that affect like when you're scheduling projects, do you say to clients that you do a four day week? Is is that like do you do you book things in by the week or by the day? Um it depends on the project. And to be honest, I don't think we don't you know, sometimes fixed day Wednesdays there isn't really anything to do. 
So yeah, it would be. I mean, that's quite rare to be honest, but um, but it does happen. Probably once a month, fixed day, there isn't anything to do. So it would be. So do you do client stuff, or do you do kind of research training? No, we'll 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 just be catching up on the on the fact that at the moment because we're so busy um, and we're kind of um, scrambling to get things done uh, all, all over the shop to be able to to be able to not have fixes to do would be great because it would give a chance to kind of catch up on on the project. Um, yeah. We used to do we used to have Friday afternoons when it was basically you could do what you like, a bit like Google do, you know. Yeah. Um, and we used to have and you would we'd have like an hour or two of presenting the thing you're researching or kind of the, the interests you. Uh, like a brown bag lunch. Is that what, I, I don't know what that is, but yes. It's, it's, where, uh, it's where you, like yeah. everyone brings in pat lunch and or the company brings in pizza or something and they spend lunchtime just talking about what they're working on or yeah, yeah. Uh, where they went on holiday, you know, that sort of thing. Show and tell. It's show and tell. That's exactly what, yeah. that's exactly what it was. Um, <laughs> um, but we kind of got, I don't know, it just, it worked for a while and then it just sort of fizzled out because everyone was like, oh, I've got to come up with something for show and tell. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, because it's initially, it's quite, you know, it's interesting. And yeah. people come up with, they tell, tell you about the things that interest them. And then, then six months down the line, it's like, well, what are we going to do now? So, um, and then you end up getting in a, in, in a kind of, really busy period like we are now so it's like well let's just do let's just use the time to to finish some projects off but i think and i kind of alluded to this earlier i think if you do end up in a position where things are a bit light then you should be trying to do spend your time you know as valuable as valuably as you can but um yeah you know but looking just just looking into things that interest you because at the moment i haven't got a chance to do that not at all. And also, um, well, also, I mean, and also, you're, we, we've all got our own sites as well. And I've, I've been saying for the last two months that I must, must just go through the Headscape website and check content, check copy, because it's yeah. not quite right. It doesn't, it, it, the messages in there don't quite fit with who we are at the moment, even though it's only about 18 months old. Um, mm. we, we're focusing a lot more on consultancy at the moment. Um, and I don't think that's coming across on the site. So there, there is always something to do that isn't project work. Um, yeah. Yeah. Are you able to kind of estimate as a company what percentage of your time is billable? Uh, yes. What it is um, varies. Right. You're asking the wrong person, actually, because um, <laughs> we have this conversation every time we kind of have a, uh, a board meeting, I suppose is the correct term for it. Um it, it it's it does vary and it's one of those kind of i never really believe it yeah. i think that and I, I never really believe timesheets or anything like that i think that you you know when you're being productive yeah. um and you know when people are working hard on things um so you know what am i trying to say here um i, I can't give you any figures but it's yeah. it's always kind of scarier than you you think it should be higher than it is. And I think that's probably the case yeah. with pretty much every business. I think as well, just for freelancers. I mean, I started tracking my time a few years ago mm -hmm. and the first time I did it, you know, um, like the first week I was really surprised at how little percent, like how low the percentage was that you actually bill. Um, cause you spend so much time doing things like emails and, um, yeah, just project management. And, and especially for your company, a lot of, 
it will vary depending on role. So I guess the developers will have quite high billable time, but maybe the project managers will have no billable time or, or just a fraction. Or you should charge uh, for your project management. Yeah. You might always, yes. Um, often I wonder whether we charge enough. That's right. certainly probably true. And yes, I guess that, as you say, a developer will be working on, um, yeah, billable work pretty much all the time. You hope, um, mm. they probably aren't. Um, <laughs> uh, and a project manager, yeah. I mean, yeah, we try and charge about fifteen percent of the value value of a project for project management, yeah. which we think is about right. Um, but it's probably not. It's as I've said, uh, as I said earlier, we've been upping our estimations year on year, basically, because you when right. you actually look at it and think, well, actually that that particular task, whatever it may be, took twenty five percent more than you thought it was going to. Yeah. yeah, I think it's definitely good practice to track your time if you're just working on your own. I know, yeah. I mean, um, I haven't done that. Um, certainly not in this, you know, in this industry. So, and I also think that if you're working on your own as a freelancer, you are going to be more. You're not going to be worrying about what the boss thinks. And people yeah. say that they, oh well, no, I don't, I'm, I don't worry about that. And we, as bosses, will say we don't care what you put in really really we don't care as long as you get but just you know yeah get the job done obviously that's kind of point a but there's no point in saying you spent eight hours working on something when you spent three hours working on something because then that throws estimations exactly uh and all that's why i was kind of not really get uh, responding to the how much of your time is billable because Mm. i actually don't know even though i probably i i have a figure in my head but i'm not going to say what it is because i don't think it's right Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're finding, you're, you're, you're kind of uh, finding out my personality here. I'm kind of like what, one of these <laughs> people like, yeah, just, just, let's just get on with it. It'll be fine. I'm, I'm, I'm a true, uh, it'll be fine kind of person. And, but, but, it's and fine. bearing in mind how old I am, you know, I'm not far off <laughs> or 50. It has been fine. Um, pretty much. I think for, I'd rather be working with someone who says that than who freaks out and it's, like, it's not fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but there, there are many people, particularly people who run companies, and this is the, the sensible way to do it is to be measuring, measuring, measuring all the time. How, are we improving this? Why are we not, you know, why are we not more efficient? Why are we, blah, 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 blah. whereas I'm just kind of like, let's just do a good job and let's just get on with it. It'll be fine, yeah. you know, rather than. <laughs> You know, spending all your time worrying about upping your effectiveness, right? It, but yeah, maybe that's just a luxury that I've had, that I have. I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the last question I've got for you right. um, is: What is your dream project? Oh, that's really hard. <laughs> I don't know. Um... That if, if a potential client phoned you up on Monday. And said, "I've got this great project for you. What would you have in mind?" Uh, well, I can. I, I, there was a uh, a client that we were hoping to work with um, that I would really have enjoyed working with, which was Greenpeace. Um, right. Because I think with a, it, it's great to be working with with a kind of household name for one. I always you sort of get a bit of a buzz from that. I think. Um, and assuming we're talking about websites here, um, it's really cool, I think, with the charity work that we've done to try and up donation levels, up membership levels through good UX 
Um, yeah, I guess it's one thing if you're able to increase a company's mm. profit margins. Yeah, I mean we've, by we've done that a big shopping time. site. We've yeah. done the shopping site stuff. You know, we're not not a, a huge amount of it, but we but what we have done has been very successful. And I think that but what if we learn work that you do kind of improves the environment. Then yeah, that's exactly well. Yeah, we work with EDF in America, but a big environmental um, charity, and mm. again. The work that we did improved their level of donations, which obviously the more donations they get, the more science work they can do and all this kind of stuff. So yeah. that, that it's been, we do a lot of work with different charities. So I guess, yeah, probably an, another charity, another big charity that we, if we could kind of get in there and help them do what they do better, that's the kind of thing that I'm always like, Ooh, yeah. Cause I know we can do it. That's the, you know, we've got a good track record. So, if somebody yeah. comes through the door and says, you know, we're, well, I don't know, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, um, some big charity like Greenpeace say, um, we'd like you to come in and, and, you know, help us be more effective, then yeah, yeah that's, that's exciting because I know we can do it. We've got examples of, of um, being successful in the past. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'd probably answer that differently tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know really. <laughs> So how can people get in touch with you if they have any questions or they want to send you fan mail? <laughs> um, they can they can send me an email. That's probably the easiest thing um, uh, to the longest email address in the world, which is uh, actually probably just marcus at headscape.co.uk would get to me, although it's my official email address is marcus.lillington at headscape.co.uk. But, yeah, send me an email. I'd love to hear from people. Um, and can people follow you on Twitter? I am at Marcus67. Excellent. Um, and I kind of, I, I don't tweet as much as I used to. Do you tweet you more should. or less or? Uh, probably more. I, I noticed like I checked your Twitter stream and um, I was pleased when you saw you tweet about your son passing his A-level results. Yeah. I mean, I, I do yeah. stuff occasionally. Um, I do, I can't put my finger on why I don't tweet as much as I used to. And occasionally I do. I'm occasionally, I, I had a long rant the other day about, about, <laughs> um, imperial measurements. Um, I guess if it's something interests me, but yeah, reminds me of Jeremy when he, when he used to tweet what he, what he had on toast. <laughs> should do that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll do that because I do have toast most mornings and I should, yeah, today I'm having marmalade. Do an Instagram shop, shop of it as well. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> so if you want to email me, I'm she has at unfinished.bz and Andy is he has at unfinished.bz. Or you can email us both at they have at unfinished.bz. And all the links that we mentioned in this episode are in our show notes. You can find them at unfinished.bz forward slash 32. And to ask us questions and suggest topics, message, message us on Twitter at unfinishedbz. Thanks again to our sponsor this week, Gather Content, which helps people who build websites work with their clients to plan, organise and collaborate on web content. And don't forget to sign up through the link in our show notes if you want 20% off your subscription. Looking forward to seeing you next week. Bye. I find new so raise your hand.